0: This is Annie Berglund, cat owner, struggling vegan, and teacher of animal ethics, and you're listening to Seeing Animals, a little project to highlight the lesser-known spaces where animals exist, because I believe that when we start seeing animals, we start caring about them. Okay, I'm sitting here in Marengo, Iowa, at uh, the offices of Iowa Farm Sanctuary with Jared Camp, who co-owns, uh, I mean, is the founder of Iowa Farm Sanctuary with, with his wife, Sean.
1: Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming over. This yeah, is great.
0: I'm so excited. I, we've already been talking for like maybe an hour, and I feel like this <laughs> I could just stay here forever. Um, this is a fantastic organization. So we're starting out our podcast very strong, as this is the first episode. As a professor, this is kind of going along with my course and the way that I designed it so that we're first talking about the ways that animals exist um, in spaces that are very familiar with us. And that space here and that discussion is going to be surrounding food and the food industry. Um, And as we'll go, we'll discuss more about animals as pets, animals in warfare, animals being used in cosmetics and uh, as medical tests. But for right now, we're going to start off with the way that I think it impacts most people around the globe, whether they know it or not, um, and whether they consume meat or not. So thank you so much again for being here. And one of the first things that we talk about in class is what the difference is between animal welfare and animal rights and how animal welfare is still kind of supported by an idea of utilitarianism and, and that animals can be used in the most humane way possible, but for the sake of the greater good. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. And what I love about places like Iowa Farm Sanctuary is that it's so unapologetically animal rights oriented um, and that the argument is consistent in that, you know, animals, if if we're really going to care about their welfare, uh, it should involve their rights to bodily integrity, their rights to autonomy, to live out their lives without human invasion. Would you say that that's kind of what supports your goals here and your mission?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that the animal rights is at the the core or the foundation of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt the need to do this because we recognized that there were living beings out there that weren't being protected the way that others were. I think that welfare and rights are two like very important things. So Especially here in Iowa, like this is the heart of the modern agriculture <laughs> machine that is. I mean, Iowa, they have the number one, they're the number one pig producer in the world. Oh, okay. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. We're number one in pigs and number one in egg production. Wow. But if you drive down the road here, um, you'll never see pigs anywhere. There's mm. For every human uh, that's in Iowa, there are seven pigs, but you just never see them because they keep them in the, the CAFOs, the which stands for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operation. Mm. So they'll put hundreds of pigs like in these small buildings. But you just, like, again, you just don't ever see that here. But when we talk about like the welfare of these animals um, or the rights, uh, there's, a, there's a law that's a federal law called the Animal Welfare Act. Um, and that really kind of is a blanket law that covers most animals. However, there's these caveats of uh, food production. Um, and the laws that they've created have, have built kind of a pad around them to where, you know, any animal that's in the food industry is almost exempt to these animal the Animal Welfare Act. Mm. And then, you know, on top of the Animal Welfare Act, you have state laws that kind of perpetuate that a little bit further. But, I mean, horses are considered uh, food animals. Really? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. pigs, horses, cattle, goats, um, any typical farm animal is is considered food production
0: wow okay and
1: so where they get away with the welfare side of this where they can do these really abhorrent um behaviors to these animals where they don't have to have as much health care they don't have to have as much shelter or or so here in iowa they they say that if it's common practice Mm. then it's not considered cruelty okay so when you know you get cattle that are brought into the slaughterhouses And they're hung up by their legs. And, you know, if they, like, slit their throat and they don't die, like, right away, if that was a dog, people would lose their mind. Mm. You know, if it was a cat, people would lose their mind. But because it's cattle and because it's a common practice and that does unfortunately happen, they don't get prosecuted or they don't get held responsible for for what they're doing to that living being. Mm. So I think welfare is kind of the first thing that we have to focus on when it comes to, like, what are we doing to these animals and why why are we doing it to these food animals and not to like companion animals um and then you know from there i think that's where the rights start falling into place
0: and your mission here i saw it's rescue and education and activism and so can we talk a little bit about the rescue part you guys are really intentional about the way that you phrase things Mm -hmm. Uh, for instance even the idea of a sanctuary feels maybe a little bit foreign to people who maybe oh, yeah. <laughs> would consider, like, humane society or a shelter. But, but to use the word sanctuary makes it maybe anthropomorphizes. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so the sanctuary, how we differ from, like, your common rescues or, like, the animal shelters, um, those, those places will bring these animals in. They'll care for them, provide them a home. But they ultimately try to find them a home. And get them, um, you know, a place elsewhere with another family. Sure. Um, here at the sanctuary, um, what we do is we we try to. Well, any animal that we bring in here is a resident here. This is their forever home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their this is their home. This is where they reside. And so, when we have people come over, um, when we're doing our educational um, events. We, we tell them that. We want them to know, like, listen, you need to be respectful in their home. Don't bring your milk. Don't bring your cheese. Don't bring your sandwiches, you know, that aren't vegan. Because, you know, it, this is their sanctuary. This is they've, – they've been rescued from, from that industry. And we want to make sure that um, – that they're kind of separated from all of that. But while we do that, it kind of plants the seed in, you know, otherwise people that don't understand what a sanctuary is, where they're thinking they're just, oh, we're gonna to go to a petting zoo and see a bunch of farm animals. <laughs> but when we kind of we have our signs up around the farm that explain what happened, you know, to the you know, what happens in those types of industries. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the the hog industry, the goat, um, industry, how they debud them, the cattle industry, things like that. We have all these little signs everywhere that kind of plant the seed in their heads, like, Oh wow, like this is more than just you know we're gonna go pet a cow or you know right. or hang out with a pig. Or we're gonna make a
0: profit off of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And we don't turn. Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't sell any of our animals. We don't um, like take them back to farmers. I mean, as soon as they come here, we uh, we give them a forever home.
0: Yeah, and you have sheep here as well, yep. right? And so you have to shear them every oh, yeah. yep. summer, and the wool isn't sold. The nope. wool isn't used. No. Yeah.
1: Yet. We uh, we'll use the wool for like bedding for the birds. Um, oh. They like to make little nests out of it. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah. So the same thing with the chicken eggs. Uh, we obviously don't eat um, their eggs. What we do is we feed that back to the chickens because it's very, uh, um, it's, it's, it takes a lot of nutrients for them to create the eggs. Yeah. And the people are, people have uh, bred these chickens to produce a lot of eggs. So it takes a lot of work for them to, you know, a lot of nutrients for them to, to make the eggs, mm-hmm. to lay them. So we just feed them back to them, and it's it's like the most nutritious thing for them.
0: Yeah, I've seen that at other farm sanctuaries. they uh, chicken will lay an egg, and another one will come over and just kind of crack it open, yep. and yeah,
1: yeah, and they'll do that naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of farmers obviously don't do that when they're like raising chickens for uh, their egg production or for food, because once you start teaching them to do that, they'll just do it all the time, and it just cuts <laughs> into the farmer's like profit. So right. But yeah, they'll do, it. they'll do it on their own anyways.
0: Could you tell me a little bit more about the residents? And I love the term residents, too. I think that that also kind of illustrates your goals here. Um, I saw that a couple of them were found on Craigslist for free. Mm-hmm. And I think people maybe aren't aware of that issue of free Craigslist animal ads. Oh, yeah. But there's, I, I knew of them for cats and dogs. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that people used them. Um, other animals, or put other animals on there for free. Why would someone do that? And, and what are the what are the issues that surround that?
1: So it's not as common for okay. farm animals to be on there for free. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been fortunate. We didn't see them ourselves. We have like our followers will see some of these ads, and then they'll get a hold of us. Well, two of the animals we ended up getting off of uh, Craigslist. Eve, our little sheep. Um, mm-hmm. It was right around uh, right around um, God was it, Easter. Uh, of last year and somebody, uh, she was born with a lot of deformities. Uh, she has uh, contracted front legs. Um, she was blind in one eye and, uh, oh my, um, <laughs> there's a pig sorry, under the table right now. <laughs> rubbing my leg. Um, <laughs> she, uh, um, she was posted by the owner. Uh, she knew that uh, she had some bad legs and she wasn't walking well. So the owner basically just said, hey, this is free to the first home that wants her. That farmer raised uh, sheep on her own um, for food and I believe for wool as well. So once we saw that, we contacted her right away. We were like, hey, we're a sanctuary. You know, We'll come out there and we'll take care of her. And mm-hmm. since we were one of the first ones, uh, she said, okay. Thank goodness we did for Eve's sake because when we uh, when we got her – they sent us some pictures of it, and you can see their front legs were contracted, which basically means the tendons aren't long enough to keep her legs straight. Okay. Um, so they were bent at an abnormal angle. Um, and she walked around okay with it, but her mobility was extremely decreased. But then when we saw the picture of her face, one of her eyes was extremely large. She ended up having glaucoma, severe glaucoma in one of her eyes, and the pressure was so severe that it uh, was causing her a lot of pain. We ended up having to remove one of her eyes um, oh. surgically up at the hospital. Um, and then, you know, there was just a lot more complicated. She had What we thought she had was a cleft palate, but she ends up just having a really deformed mandible, so her, her teeth stick out really far. She's got one of the biggest underbites I think I've ever seen in an animal. <laughs> She's absolutely adorable, though. Mm. So it was kind of really good that we got a hold of them first and were out there because, um, you know, we took her to the hospital, and she stayed up at the hospital for over a week. Um, is there like kind of like diagnosing her and evaluating her to see what kind of medical problems that she had. And then she obviously had the surgery to remove the eye. So if, you know, somebody else would have gone up there and got her, she most likely would have just turned into an Easter, um, mm-hmm. lamb, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the other one we got, Sonny, uh, he was, he's a goat that the farmer was just, they actually advertised him for uh cheap on Craigslist. They're like, he's got an injured leg. Um, it's just, they called him a sl- uh, slaughter goat or a meat goat. And they said you can come out here and get them for I forget what the I think it's like fifty dollars or something like that, but you can't kill them on on their properties. What they said. So we don't purchase any of our animals here at IO Farm Sanctuary. We feel that when we buy the animals, it kind of perpetuates the problem that we're fighting. So we ended up uh, um, having the, the the person that contacted us about that uh, ad. We told them that, that we don't buy it, but if they we could get them to surrender the goat to us for free, we'll take them and we'll get them uh, back to full health and so they contacted him and, and sure enough the farmer was extremely excited they didn't realize that there was a, an organization that existed that would do something like that for a goat um, again these farmers they look at these animals differently than we do they see them as you know as a product um mm-hmm. so they really don't want to invest the money into like getting them better but when we went out and got sunny they thought he had a broken leg when we got him back here to uh the farm uh, we quickly realized that his leg wasn't broken he had a, a, a pretty nasty infection in one of his joints so they'll get these septic joints after they're born um, if they're not taken care of right away if they don't get their mom's colostrum um, so we took him up to Iowa State and they told us immediately that the best thing for him was actually to remove his leg because the infection had, had eaten away so much of his bone that they could have like fused the joint back together but he would have had a lot of problems with like osteoarthritis and And, um, like mobility issues in the future. Um, and the vet said that basically if it was her animal that she would just, uh, remove the leg and that's what we ended up doing. And immediately, I mean, the, the relief of pain was, uh, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty big procedure to remove a leg. And I was like, man, it's like, how's he going to recover from that? That's like, that's nuts. And I swear, like the next day I saw him, like he was a different goat. He was so happy. Like he had more of like light in his eyes, like He was just in so much pain from the infection that uh, that you know he just was yeah just in terrible pain. But he's doing extremely well now. It's
0: wild how adaptable they are, and I feel like they're that's maybe that would also help people to to think about the animals a little bit differently if Uh, they realize just a little bit of care. I mean, it's costly for you guys certainly, but uh, the right amount of care can give them a long life. I mean, I think about the birds that like birds that hit into windows. A lot of times they're just stunned and they're laying Mm -hmm. there, and eventually they'll get up and they'll fly away. Um, but we, we tend to think of, of their survival rates as being much less than us. So it seems like most of the animals that you rescue here have some kind of physical deformity, um, whether from the situation that they were in, like poor conditions or maybe an accident on the road. Uh, well, Annie is a piglet. I shared the name with, so, um, and she, you had just got her, I believe, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. We didn't get her too long ago. Um, she was... On a transport truck, they go from a breeding facility when they're 21 days old. Um, okay. So they're extremely small. They'll stack them in there, you know, almost up to 2,000 at a time, and they transport them from the breeding facility where they're born um, to kind of a fattening facility or the KFOs that I was talking about. And so they'll, they'll take them there. The truckers unload them, and then uh, this the, the the company that we or the, the I'm sorry, the guy that we got it from, he's responsible for cleaning the trucks after the fact when they brought the trailer back to the company to clean it out, um, Annie was a stowaway. They didn't um, see her on there. A lot of times they hide all the way up at the front and they don't uh, clear the truck out um, all the way. And Annie was, uh, yeah, a little stowaway up there. So by the time they get back there, um, the regulations they have for, for hog transports, that if they don't get on and off where they're supposed to, there's a lot of biosecurity risk in that industry. Um, so if they get into areas that they're not supposed to, the companies won't use those pigs anymore. And typically, they just kill them side on scene, um, where and they just do blunt force trauma. Like there's no nice way about it. They'll, mm. um, yeah, it's pretty brutal what they right. do. But again, it goes back to common practice. So I mean, if you were bru- like brutally killing a cat or dog that way, I mean, you would go to jail. But because the pig industry does it all the time they don't get held accountable for it um but yeah so any when uh, they found her on the trailer um they ended up contacting us because they couldn't do anything with the pig they couldn't take it back to the breeding facility and they couldn't take it back to the cave where they took all the other pigs Mm -hmm. um and we happily brought her up here and now she's running around with a couple of our little baby goats so well
0: it seems good that you guys are known in the area like well known enough that people would reach out to you for a lot of these issues
1: yeah you know and that was one of the things that we were concerned about when we first started because everybody's like how are you going to get animals like these farmers like that's their money that's how they make money that's how they make their living and to be quite honest I was like well, I don't know like I know there's other sanctuaries like outside of Iowa that do it and mm-hmm. like they they get these animals somehow so yeah I was like there's there's got to be a reason or a way for it to happen and man I was never going to be I don't think I could have prepared myself for the amount of phone calls that we get um, there's times that we get, you know, daily phone calls about different animals. And, yeah, they just come from, like, all kinds of different places. So and now that we've been around and we've gotten more notoriety, um, people see us as a resource. Yeah. Um, and they and they contact us more frequently as well.
0: Yeah, and if you don't have the space, I know you were just the piglet who was under the table a little bit ago. <laughs> Wilma, right? Yep, that's Wilma. Um, you were saying that she's destined to go to Spring Farm Sanctuary yep. in Minnesota. Yep. Nearby the Twin Cities area. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a network. Work between sanctuaries too.
1: Absolutely, Sean is. Uh, Sean's worked really hard at that because we, uh, we we only have so much space here at the sanctuary, and with us being Iowa's first farm animal sanctuary, we filled up and in, like incredibly fast. Yeah, and so we recognize that you know we've put ourselves out as you know being like this resource for people, and now that we're full, we want to like try to find as many homes as we possibly can. So Sean has worked really hard. Uh, creating kind of a network with some of the other sanctuaries around. And the majority of animals that we get called about, even if we can't take them here, we'll find them homes. Uh, Sean's driven as far as like Kansas City to like Michigan. Like she's taken animals, you know, all over the place just to to get them their forever homes.
0: Yeah. And then you don't have to compromise your whole mission of having enough space for animals to live out their whole lives. Like that's the point of a sanctuary, right? Like having enough land and resources that it's the best case scenario for them.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to turn into, you know, one of these hoarding situations. I mean, we could, we could be complete animal hoarders with the amount of people (laughs) that call us. And like, I have enough love to give all those animals like love, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it kind of goes against, you know, what we're trying to do. Um, when, if we give them kind of a bad home or an unsafe home to be in.
0: Yeah. Sometimes people will counter what I'm saying about animal rights and say, well, you know, farm animals are different. They're, they're bred to be stupid. And and though it's kind of a flawed argument in itself, like intelligence shouldn't ever equate rights and mm-hmm. tr- humane treatment. I was wondering if you could, and and you kind of commented on this already with some of the emotional and social intelligence of the animals here. But what do you say to people who who kind of think, oh, like chickens are stupid? They, you know, um, they have less value.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, I think the intelligence is kind of tied to communication. Um, just because we can't communicate with them and just because they can't communicate with us, it doesn't mean that they're not intelligent. Mm. Um, and th- there's so many different avenues I go down and, and it really depends on who I'm speaking with. Um, if it's a farmer that I'm speaking with that says that I tell them, you know, I was raised on a small farm in Utah. Uh, my chores, my chores, when I was growing up in high school it was to go out and bottle feed the cows or go feed the goats. And I hated it. I was just like, oh man, I just want to sleep in a little bit more. I didn't want to go out in the winter, you know, the cold in Utah <laughs> and like feed these animals. But now like I look back on it and it's kind of bittersweet because I, like growing up around them as, you know, and we raised them for food. Um, even then, like now I can recognize that there there are like things that you see like in their behavior, the way that they interact with, you know, other animals. The, you can tell that there's, there's more, And there's, there is intelligence there. It may not be the same type of intelligence that we have where we can talk, but there's just like the the way that they interact with them. Um, If it's, you know, somebody more along the lines of like, that needs like proof in the sense of like scientific proof, we can talk about like the anatomy of the brain of, you know, a lot of these animals and, you know, pigs especially, they have a lot of the same um, areas of the brain that are related to emotion and, and like higher thinking, like, you know, and in the way that we do same thing with cattle same thing with a lot of these animals so there's different there's so many different avenues to go down to explain it and trying to change somebody's mind especially an adult's mind is so impossible so it's best that you know my practice is just try to like get as much information to them of why I think the way that I do so that they can kind of process that themselves and if I have more facts and if I have you know a lot of that stuff it's really hard to go against it you know, maybe right away in the heat of the argument, they're like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. But yeah, afterwards, do that, yeah. <laughs> and everybody, you know, when we get into these arguments back afterwards, you're like, yeah, I should have said this. Or, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> right. Or like, and then you kind of like think back of what the other person said. So I think that that's the best way that, you know, we can kind of combat that whole rights and them not being intelligent. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of the great things about the sanctuary, and we can see it, I mean, every year. Is we have people come out, and we don't. You don't have to be vegan to come to the sanctuary. We encourage non-vegans to come here, right? Um, because we want people that have never been around these animals, and then even people that have been around animals to come and see these uh, these residents in in a different light. Um, so farm animals on a farm that aren't interacting with people will act differently. But most of our animals have come since they were babies, and they've been raised around um, humans, and they've had interaction. and And I think these guys here are the best. I told you earlier that we call them the, the ambassadors of their species because, you know, people that come out here, even if they've had experience with farm animals, they'll see them, a cow interacting with a goat or interacting with a sheep. And all of our residents have, have created kind of their their social groups and their friends. Uh, Bruce, one of our biggest uh, steer, he's best friends with Maddie, one of our sheep. Like, they follow each <laughs> other around. They're, they're stall mates. They sleep oh. with each other. like. Animal yeah, they, friends. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> so cute. So when people see that, they can kind of, like, connect those dots themselves. Like, oh, wow, like, that cow's not just with cows. And, you know, those pigs aren't just with pigs. They can see them, like, you know, interact with each other. They play. They run. And it's it's pretty special to see.
0: Mm. And that kind of goes in with, so your aims are rescue ed- education activism. So clearly you have people coming here. And, and I saw that, um, and a lot of sanctuaries have this practice where if you come to meet an animal and it's really – like a, a good like special kind of relationship you built with the animal when you were visiting you can sponsor them mm-hmm. um and that goes to their food any medical treatments is that right yeah. is that is that where a lot of the money and funding comes from like yeah personal donors and- yeah
1: personal donor we're yeah we've here at our sanctuary we don't have any corporate funding um all my even myself and sean like none of us are paid all the money that we raise goes directly to the animals and the biggest thing is yeah like personal donors um they step up and like they help us out all the time and we and we do the um those sponsorships as well um so yeah when people come out uh if they want to sponsor an animal we'll send them depending on their sponsorship level they want to do we send them updates every month um send them you know photos things like that just so that they can watch the the animals grow and kind of stay up with their stories
0: you have your special events throughout the year fundraisers Mm -hmm. and um that's always a good resource with with a lot of these interviews i try to point students or anyone listening to direction or to a direction where they could help um whether it's with volunteering though you guys are quite a ways away from the twin cities but um (laughs) you know volunteering or or helping even helping sanctuaries in our state help sanctuaries in other states right because that network is so strong between all of you Mm -hmm. um so on to the third aim of activism Part of this, I kind of found as I was searching. Um, Fiona is Fiona a?
1: She's a little goat.
0: Okay, and she was acquired through an undercover rescue.
1: She was up. Uh, she was uh, rescued out of a uh, slaughterhouse. Okay, up in uh, Nora, it was Minnesota, I believe. Okay, the the group that was there, um, they were just kind of like looking to see. They'd heard about this uh, this slaughterhouse, and, and they just want to kind of go and see it themselves. Um, and they were able to rescue Fiona and Beth out of that slaughterhouse. Yeah, and they were just—I mean—days old. Um, mm-hmm. The mother had most likely been brought there um, and slaughtered before. Um, before uh, those two were able to get out.
0: Yeah, I think that's where a lot of the tension exists. In, you know, what what you would deem a rescue, what I would also deem a rescue, others may say is theft of property. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's the whole, I think the crux of the issue, right? How we view these animals, are they property or are they peers? Right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's where we're stacked up against with the law mm-hmm. um, because the law looks at them as property. You know, when we, when we've gone out to uh, like these accident scenes, uh, we work with the law enforcement because we realize we can't just show up and, and just start like grabbing animals and going um, because, you know, those are protected um by the law is in you know the property and we actually we don't even contact the owners of the animals because of the way the laws are we have to contact the insurance company because at that point it's an insurance claim wow um and so yeah it's like if uh, you know like a, a trailer full of cars rolled over and we wanted to like repair one of the cars you know we don't call the car manufacturer we call the insurance company and be like hey we're gonna take care of this so yeah but yeah it's pretty wild that that's the the, the way that it goes with with those types of things um,
0: yeah
1: yeah we we have to like abide by all the laws so um we can't take in like you know we've had people like well what if i just go in and like take this animal ring it? it's like well as much as we'd love to help that one animal out like we have to abide by the laws just for the integrity of our sanctuary yeah um so unfortunately like we you know, have to discourage those type of things.
0: And I suppose kind of protect the people who are wanting to do that too. Yeah. And you
1: know. Oh yeah. 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 We don't want to encourage somebody to break the law mm. um, where they're going to get in trouble and then, you know, they could implement us as well. So,
0: right. And um, you
1: know, again, that'll kind of, we're going at this in a grassroots way in, in a very like we're the first ones here in Iowa. So we have like, we're under the microscope. Yes. And we want to make sure that, you know, we're representing our organization the best way possible, but also all the other farm sanctuaries. Uh, We want to make sure that people, like, see them in a good light as well.
0: It's, yeah, it's kind of clear to see how legislation could butt up against some of the things that you're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. One example on your website, you discuss egg gag laws. Could you? Could you take me through what that is and the listeners? Yeah,
1: so Iowa created the ag-gag law. Oh, um, I didn't know it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. This is his Wait, birthplace. I'm not, I'm not bragging about no. that. <laughs> 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 so it was created, um, it was kind of an anti-whistleblower law. Um, there was a lot of the undercover pe- uh, undercover videos that were coming out mm. in the 90s. Yeah, you've of, seen them on PETA yep, or yeah, animal yep, rights. Where they're showing the the workers of these, um, these uh like slaughterhouses or or CAFOs just abusing the animals, treating them poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caught a lot of like attention. And so the these companies, instead of them kind of going after those bad apples, what they did is they decided to create a law that protected themselves from undercover investigations. So what it was is they said that it was against, ultimately it's against the law to go in um, and lie to an employer saying that you're there to work and videotape. Um, abuse of or neglect of animals Mm. Um, and so and they ended up passing it so all those people were going in to try to like show like the 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 horrors from within these industries if they even if even if these uh, companies were abusing hundreds of animals and neglecting hundreds of animals if they videotaped it and then turned it over those uh, undercover investigators would get arrested for breaking the ag law and none of that footage would be uh, held up in court so basically it's like an anti, like first, uh, amendment, uh freedom of speech, um, yeah. law. And fortunately it's been challenged in multiple States. Uh, I think Idaho was the first one to challenge it and it got overturned. Um, and, to uh, so where they, the, the Supreme Court in I- Idaho said, yeah, like this is, it's
0: unconstitutional. this is
1: unconstitutional. Yeah. And uh, like once, uh, once one state did, man, it was like a slippery slope. All of a sudden state after state after state, they're like, oh yeah, like, that's true. Like, this is unconstitutional. We can't uphold this law. So Yeah. Which, you know, when you explain to somebody, like, yeah, people are abusing animals, but I can't videotape it because I'll get arrested for it. I mean, anybody, like, would, everybody I say that to, like, wait, what? Yeah, sure. Like, how changes is that your legal? argument, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Like, how can, yeah, if you can't provide support, you're not going to win people over. Yeah. But the support is impossible to get.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems so illogical of a, a lot like why are you mm. supporting like the abuse of animals and not you know and, and then people in the industry i'm not sure why they support it because you know a lot of the the farmers that we talk to um they they consider themselves advocates for the animals or, or animal lovers so yeah. much um they have like this disconnect and i had the same disconnect when i was you know raising the animals for food myself and they get mad when they see these videos and their argument all the time is, well, that's not the entire industry, but they get mad at the people that are in, you know, that are exposing those parts of the industry yeah. um, instead of being mad at those, you know, those other farmers. Uh, so there's no like self-regulation.
0: It also makes you question like how much our legislators are in the pocket of big agriculture oh, yeah. too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, Iowa is one of the worst. Um, um, we have some of the worst uh, puppy mill laws, mm. um, and it's all based on the U.S. or the agriculture industry. They don't want to pass more companion animal laws, like to protect companion animals, because of what's happened in other states. So again, I gotta go back to the slippery slope, because yeah. once you start giving rights to more, you know, more rights to companion animals. People are going to find ways that, you know, to tie that into the, the animal industry and show that, like, oh, yeah, like, that's, you know, like, there there are connections there. Like, there are, the you know, mm-hmm. this, we can use this rhetoric for, for them because they're sentient, feeling, intelligent beings like, as well.
0: So do you ever have any state senators or representatives come visit you or have you extended that opportunity to them or you just feel like maybe... They wouldn't.
1: Come. Yeah, we've never uh, we've never had anybody come out. Um, okay. We've offered a couple times um, for people to come out and and see what we're doing, but yeah, we've never had anybody actually uh, take the bait and come out and yeah. see what we're doing here.
0: If if they could be here, like if you if you had one of them tour, what kind of laws would maybe benefit what you're doing here, other than obviously eradication? You know, like the more extreme ends, yeah. but just to even even if you can compromise for animal welfare, not for animal rights, but yeah. if you can make things at least better in some way what are some issues that legislation could help solve
1: i think some of the biggest like to make the most impact right away would be transportation um would make it safer and uh, have them transport less animals like on these trucks uh like i say we there was a period last year um we we know when like pigs are 21 days old and they start moving around because we get phone calls almost daily of like piglets that are found on the side of the road
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. They, so these companies, depending on the, a lot of these trailers are made for transporting, um, you know, multiple animals. And they take consideration of really small ones and really large ones. Um, but there are trailers still out there that, that companies use that have like wood, like I'll just use the wood plank floors as an example. They'll put like hogs in there or small piglets. And as those trucks are driving down the road. The uh, um, that the, sometimes those wood floorboards oh, will kind of pop up and the pigs horrendous. fall out from underneath it. Or they have so many piglets in these trucks. A lot of the uh, um, the holes in the side of the trucks um, are larger the further up you go. Those pigs will kind of like crowd into one corner and climb on top of each other and get to the point to where they're up high enough to fall out of the larger holes. Um, the trailers doors don't close. But like a lot of that goes back to how many they transport at a time and. I think that if they can regulate more of, like, how many they're transporting at a time and the types of transport um, uh, equipment they use, Mm -hmm. like, have better regulations on that, Um, I think that that would definitely help. In the very very beginning stages, I think that we'd have less animals falling off the trucks and getting either run over by vehicles or, you know, then they get injured. All the time because yeah. there are so many inside these trucks, let alone the like the accidents that happen when the, the the trucks overturn or roll.
0: And I mean, it's for the sake of efficiency, I suppose. But you'd think like that's a, that's I mean, they're if the animal is a commodity, they're going to want to protect it and yeah. like make as much buck as they can yeah, on it. Right. Exactly. So that's bizarre i did not realize that that was like a daily occurrence we sometimes. yeah last
1: year was one of the worst years we had for like phone calls we had 13 phone calls in nine days of piglets that were found on the side of the road um That's we wild. yeah we were able to go out and uh, rescue some of them a lot of times by the time we get out there depending on which part of the state it's in um the piglets are gone um sometimes we find them dead on the side of the road um so yeah, it's, uh, we had a volunteer last year that was out trying to rescue one and actually witnessed a, a truck like run it over as it was oh. like trying to get away. So yeah, it's pretty bad. It's really sad, but yeah. I mean, it just happens so frequently. Like it's, it, I mean, it happens more frequently than people realize.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good that folks like you and the, and the volunteers like still go out and do that, even um, though that's not pretty. And especially for people who are animal rights activists to go out and, and face some of that. Um, kind of some final thoughts as we're wrapping up. I could literally just sit here and talk forever. This is amazing. It's This is a great podcast because essentially I just get to meet people that are my personal heroes. So um, <laughs> I'm just benefiting mostly. When I've told people, uh, whether it's at the university or friends or whoever, that I'm going to a farm sanctuary, I feel like some have a difficult time empathizing with this kind of work Mm -hmm. this like kind of calling if if you permit the word and like kind of find it bizarre to use a lot of time and effort and resources to sustain and rehabilitate just a couple numbers of animals when i mean it's billions that we're talking about in this industry um i clearly don't agree with the idea that that's a waste of time but um i would i would kind of like to know like what's your response to that lack of Maybe lack of empathy or just lack of understanding.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot. Like people have been trained to to look at these animals as food, mm. as as a product, as something that's not living. Um, and I always tell people, you know, th- most people find they consider themselves to be like animal lovers. Yeah. And to quote Miley Cyrus, I know it's weird, but <laughs> she says like, if you eat animals, like you're not an animal lover. You love pets mm. and. That kind of like rings the bell with a lot of people. Um, if we weren't the ones out here doing this, um, the, well, the reason we're out here doing this is because the system has been going on, you know, unregulated, and there hasn't been this opposing view of, of kind of the status quo of, of farm animals yeah. um, until recently. And I think the the more that we kind of get out there and show, like, yeah, there are people that you know that care about animals, and this is what caring for animals looks like. It expands not just companion animals. It expands to all animals. Um, and then on top of that, we're just kind of building, you know, the, our, our reasoning of, like, look at these animals. Like, giving people the opportunity to come and see these animals, not as, you know, burger on the, on the shelf or not as these, like, grazing mm-hmm. beasts on the side of the road as they drive by. But if they can kind of come and interact with these animals, you know, people realize, like, oh, wow, there's, you know, there's more of just them, like, grazing and just kind of being these, you know, non— verbal kind of like robotic uh, machines that right. like, you know everybody sees that are driving by them at 50 miles an hour right um, it gives them an opportunity to kind of challenge themselves and kind of challenge what they've always been told.
0: Yeah. I mean, first off, I'm always here for a Miley Cyrus quote. So that was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you planted that for me. And two, I mean, if, if people knew like the way that you and Sean interact with these animals, and I think if they had that relationship, maybe they would think differently. I'm like, you were telling me before we, and we started recording, um, that you were in a news piece on Father's Day, like yeah. basically being the father of Angel, right? Yeah, the, Angel. I took some pictures of it. I'll post those. <laughs> but um, she's a sweet little calf.
1: Yeah, her back legs um, and her pelvis were deformed when she was in her mother's womb as she was developing. So when she was born, she was uh, born with the uh, inability to walk. Her her back legs were also contracted up. Her tendons were really tight. Um, But structurally, her bones um, wouldn't support her weight at all. So she's been immobile her entire life until we rescued her. And then uh, we were able to work with the company that made her a custom wheelchair so that she can walk around. And now she cruises like crazy, like everywhere in her little wheelchair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, I mean, you have to... You have to wash her every day, right you yep. have to put her in a in a tub every day, yep. and she's only gonna get a little bit bigger, right oh, yeah. so that's yep. gonna be a bigger task <laughs> but um, I just think there's something so like pure and genuine about people who are willing to do that, um especially when it's not even in your own species like that's i mean, I wish there were more people like that, so now I'm just gushing, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really do appreciate it if we can leave my students and listeners with um any thoughts about what they can do, whether it's like, hey, Meatless Mondays or some kind of uh, way to take action in their personal lives or any good documentaries or books that you would recommend if people want more learning about these topics?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fortunately, this day and age, I mean, the internet is just, <laughs> I mean, everybody has like the world at their fingertips. Yeah. And yeah, I think that, you know, the transition to eating less meat is is, is hard in, in some ways Depending on where you are geographically, but for the most part, there are so many companies now that create meat alternatives, that create dairy alternatives mm-hmm. um, that are a lot better now than they were ten years ago. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I think the Meatless Mondays uh, we're in January, well, we're nearing the end of January, the uh, Vegan Veganuary, I believe is what mm-hmm. they say, um, is always fun. But yeah, like. If people can be more conscious about the choices they make, um, think about where their food comes from and not just look at it, you know, like I say, is like a steak or a chicken patty, like think of like that animal, um, and just commit to maybe one or two days a week. Um, it always starts somewhere and that's like always a good place to start. One of my favorite documentaries that's come out recently that, that I think, um, resonates with a lot of people is, is cowspiracy. Oh, right. Um, yeah. That one, on Netflix. yeah. That one. Yeah. That one is on Netflix. Yep. Um, so when it comes to like the animal rights and animal welfare, a, a lot of people uh, don't align themselves with so much of like the animal rights side. Cause they think PETA this and PETA that, right. or, you know, like these animal nuts, but <laughs> m- more people align themselves with being like concerned about the environment, especially now with like climate change, um, being more of a, you know, pronounced topic. Um, people really kind of equate themselves with being an environmentalist. Well, Cowspiracy is one of the best, like, documentaries I've seen in a while because it kind of shows what the animal agriculture industry does towards climate change and, like, its contributions. And it's unbelievable. Uh, And they don't talk about animal rights in there. Like, they, you know, uh, they just talk about, like, what the industry does, you know, their impact on the climate. Um, That's
0: a great entry level
1: topic. Absolutely, yeah. Topic, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people are always, you know, when you start talking about, like, animal rights and things like that, they're, you know, we've been asked how many, I don't even know how many times, like, how are you guys involved with PETA? I'm like, well, we're not involved with PETA at all. <laughs> but there's kind of that negative connotation to animal rights activists and things like that. So, Cow Spearcy is a great one. Um, there's a book called Dominion um, mm-hmm. that kind of takes the religious um, side of the argument um, where people think that, you know, like God put the animals here for us to use. Uh, Dominion's a great book um, that kind of counter uh, counteracts that argument um, and and kind of brings the challenge people's beliefs in that as well. Oh, excellent um, cookbooks! Uh, I always tell people, especially young people, to look up Thug Kitchen. Oh yeah, yeah. And Thug Kitchen is just in, unless you're offended by like bad words, uh, don't <laughs> look it up. But Thug <laughs> Kitchen is like one of the best cookbooks because it's really easy to like. All the recipes are super easy to make and it's really really good.
0: Yeah, we have a copy of that. that's a good one (laughs) well thanks so much Jared this is great I really wish we could do like two more hours of this I'm going to go out and tour and see the animals now and I'll be posting pictures of those later but thank you so much again for your time yeah thanks for coming out thanks for all you do no problem Hi, this is Casey from J. Selby's in St. Paul, Minnesota, an entirely plant-based restaurant. Come try our burgers, wings, and ice cream, all made from plants. Thank you for listening to Seeing Animals.